The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up. Beloved, on this Lord's Day, as we gather for word and sacrament, the liturgy, music, and homily are offered for our gathered congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written and emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. Today, especially and warmly, we welcome our friend, brother in ministry, and minister to the Episcopal students at Boston University, the Reverend Cameron Partridge, who will be our celebrant for the sacrament of Holy Communion. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
we pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you govern all things, both in heaven and on earth. Mercifully hear the supplications of your people, and in our time grant us your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Please be seated. A lesson from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You shall heed such a prophet. This is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, If I hear the voice of the Lord my God any more, or ever again see this great fire, I will die. Then the Lord replied to me, They are right in what they have said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet, who shall speak to them everything that I command. Anyone who does not heed the words of the, that the prophet shall speak in my name, I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, or who presumes to speak in my name a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, that prophet shall die. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from St. Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. Now concerning food sacrificed to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Anyone who claims to know something does not yet have the necessary knowledge, but anyone who loves God is known by God. Hence, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that no idol in the world really exists and that there is no God but one. Indeed, even though there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as in fact there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are all things and through whom we exist. It is not everyone, however, who has this knowledge. Since some have become so accustomed to idols until now, they still think of the food they eat as food offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not bring us close to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if others see you, who possess knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, might they not, since their conscience is weak, be encouraged to the point of eating food sacrificed to idols? So by your knowledge those weak believers for whom Christ died are destroyed. But when you thus sin against members of your family and wound their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food is a cause of their falling, I will never eat meat so that I may not cause one of them to fall. The word of the Lord. Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 111 with the antiphon. the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart and the company of the upright and the congregation. Full of honor and majesty are the works of the Lord, whose righteousness endures forever. The Lord provides food for those who fear him and is ever mindful of his covenant. The Lord has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. The Lord sent redemption to his people he has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is God's name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. 
Please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Glory to you, O Lord. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded by his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying with a loud voice came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. Those of you listening from afar may want to know that Old Man Winter has visited the city of Boston and region this past week. Those of you who have found meaning in the liturgy, music, and homily and are listening in Beijing and Tokyo and Paris and London and Chicago and Charlotte and Buffalo and New York will need to know that we had some real old-time winter this past week. Tuesday in the blizzard, with others, I walked up Commonwealth Avenue, proud of the way that our Boston University staff keeps clear our sidewalks and roads and allows safe and full use of the real estate we do have and inhabit together. I thought I noticed in the left corner of my eye that our coffee shop across Commonwealth was open, but I must have been mistaken. But no, there it was, open and ready for service 
at the intersection of the Commonwealth of the Gospel and Commonwealth Avenue itself, wherein I learned the full marrow of the meaning of the wisdom saying that in New England, essential services, emergency services, include that fourfold fire, hospital, police, and Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Your Spirit, Marsh Chapel, we feature in the first Sunday sermons of this year. In other months, we have highlighted your inquiry and your hymnody, your recollection, your patience, and your life together. And today we notice your cosmopolitan, your secularity. You affirm the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, a faith amenable to culture and a culture amenable to faith. A faith amenable to culture and a culture amenable to faith. The Christ which you affirm in your gathering and music and liturgy and preaching over many decades, is a Christ not only against culture, not only above, not only in, not only across culture, but a Christ transforming culture. That is the Gospel of John. That is the Methodist movement. That is the word of Martin Luther King. And that is the spirit of Marsh Chapel, a secular God so loved the world announcement. Here again the gospel of, according to St. Mark. You remember from last week the five fingers with which this earliest gospel greets us. Something of the secret. What is this? Yes, here. Galilee of the Gentiles, the gospel for others, not for the church only, but for others. Galilee, Capernaum, the north of the Sea of Galilee. The cost of discipleship, a powerful voice, a personal encounter, a perplexing adventure laid out before us. The Christ and him crucified. The, the crowd is going to respond positively in chapter 1, but we realize that by the 15th and 16th chapter, the tide has turned, and especially today, right-wising, that fifth finger, right-wising apocalyptic. The encounter with illness become health, with demon become angel, that intersection of the commonwealth of life and the commonwealth, the koinonia of the gospel. We have been a part in the past two weeks of a recollection of Martin Luther King Jr. with Dr. Paris in our own pulpit, with Nikki Giovanni, thanks to our Dean of Students office and our Gottlieb Center and our African American Studies Department and yes, Marsh Chapel. We have a responsibility to carry forward a memory, not only of the great well-known global names, Thurman and King, but also of those others all around and in your own lives. You'll pause for a moment to remember one or another today. Not only they, but also before Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth, and alongside Edgar Evans Crawford and James Forbes and Gardner Taylor and Sandy F. Ray and Others whose names are lesser known, you remember the end of George Eliot's beautiful novel, Middlemarch, Dorothea, a lesser known figure is described and the author writes so tellingly that much of the good in life is done in unhistoric acts and practiced by those who live faithful but hidden lives and rest in unvisited tombs. Faithful but hidden lives, and rest in unvisited 
tomb. So we remember today our general superintendent, not a world-known name, Violet Fisher, who left the eastern shore of Maryland to come and minister with us in the 200 inches of snow a year, the snows of Kilimanjaro in upstate New York. We went in the winter of one year to honor the death and life of her father, who at age 87 had died after, on a Sunday, preparing the furnace in his little eastern shore church. And we went to see her family and realized Violet Fisher, African-American preacher and leader in the church, our dear friend, what she had left behind. She had left behind the South for the North, warmth for cold, dad for service, family for ministry, the exuberance of the African-American church for the earnestness of the Caucasian white church, the extended features of her own form of worship for the more formal liturgical and uh, shape of our own. She had given of herself, though in a hidden life and uh, a less than fully known name. The Gospel of Mark connects us in February to Black History Month, and we want to remember through this week and this, this month, not only those great well-known names, but also those persons, women, and men who have formed us and who have shaped us. Your uh, lectionary, that is, is not only the lectionary of the canon, but also the lectionary of the culture. Not just Deuteronomy and Corinthians and Mark, but also Black History Month and President's Day and Groundhog Day, that holy, holy, holy day, that great day at the beginning of every February without any religious service, without any requirement of clergy, without any work to be done, just enjoy the, the wide open space. Second, Paul in Corinthians admonishes us, and we in an academic community hear this quite clearly, that knowledge pops up, but love builds up that we are our enterprise here in learning virtue and piety is to know and learn, and we do know a great deal, and we do learn as much as we can, and that's our job, and we want to do our job. Nonetheless, Paul points out, and we listen carefully, that the meaning and heart of life are not so much to know as to be known. Now, we are lovers and we are knowers both, but when it comes to the lasting, mysterious, great things, the heart-level depth things of life, God, freedom, immortality, sin, death, the threat of meaninglessness, the promise of this life and the life hereafter, we have to bow and hear Corinthians again. It's not so much what we know as it is who has known us. So that Paul's warning to us that we are to be careful not to behave in a way that causes our brother to stumble. The debate over meat sacrifice to idols is long superannuated, but the principle remains for us. If I behave in a way that causes my sister to stumble and hurts her conscience, then I have moved aside from the discipline, the confidence of the obedience of the gospel. So in in February, we remember with our President's Day celebrations, and by the way, Black History Month and President's Day, though distinguished, are not opposed. They can be distinguished from each other without being set in tension to one another. We remember our great leaders, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln and others. 
Washington not only are mainly for the cherry tree and cherry pie, but for Valley Forge. In the winter of 1777, speaking of cold, and soldiers down to the number 3,500 3, 3, 3, at that point, and what he suffered and struggled with in those months. And Abraham Lincoln, yes, for the soaring rhetoric, four score and seven, angels, better angels of our nature, but also and mainly for the end of the winter in 1865 and April 15th and Ford Theater. Oh, captain, my captain, the fearful trip is done. The ship has weathered every rack. The prize we sought is won. Exult all shores and ring o' bells, but I with mournful tread walk the deck. My captain lies fallen cold and dead. We remember their service to and for others. In January of 1991, we gathered week by week through that year, through that winter, with graduate students on Sunday evenings, moving from home to home. We've gathered with such a group in every setting, Cornell and McGill and Syracuse, the University of Rochester, several groups here. These face-to-face -face groups, we remember, in ministry are so significant, particularly in the, the emergence of young adulthood. This group of a dozen were all from the forestry school, except one. In that location, they're known affectionately as Stumpies. They are 2,000 only of the 24,000 students. Keith and Amy had met at a lumberjack competition and had fallen deeply in love, she the leader of the group, and he about to serve his country. Not a great name like Schwarzkopf or Powell, but in 1991, Keith went. We prayed for him as he prepared. We prayed for him as he left. We prayed for him as he served, and we prayed for him as he came back home physically, physically unscathed. And when Amy and Keith were ready to be married in Hartwick Seminary, some months later, he sang a hymn of a poem of love to her wonder, her gifts of love and joy and peace, of grace and beauty, of splendor, intelligence, care, warmth. And also, he said, and by the way, she's a wonderful lumberjack, too, and man, can she chop. Together they made a beautiful couple to, moving out of the Empire State, not well-known, but leading faithful lives, hidden faithful lives, and to be marked somewhere elsewhere in the mystery of all things. Corinthians and our President's Day celebration recall for us the importance of Paul's admonition, if it causes my brother to stumble, I will not do it. Third, Deuteronomy carries to us a word about speech, a positive affirmation of the role of speaking and hearing. For the Deuteronomist, there is a confidence that something Sunday morning, Wednesday evening, beginning with a sermon but not ending there through the week, Something, an intervening word, can be spoken and heard. There's nothing new in Deuteronomy. It includes material that already has been rehearsed in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, but it's an interpretation. It's a second rendering of the law, hence Deutero. And the writer is confident that a real word, a true word, can be spoken, and you will know it, he says, in retrospect, because it comes true. You know the real prophet 
in hindsight because his prediction came true. Did Amos properly prophesy the demise of Israel? Yes, he did. Did Isaiah properly exalt the holiness of God? Yes, he did. Did Jeremiah properly purchase a piece of land? Yes, he did. The prophet's word, including friends, your own capacity this next week to speak a true intervening word, is known in retrospect. That snowy Tuesday with a warm coffee in hand coming across the Commonwealth Avenue, I was reminded of the liberty with which we were raised in 200 inches of snow. You know when it comes to in the winter of 1966, we had almost two weeks without school and the freedom to move across the village unimpeded. Let me tell you, at 10 degrees and two and a half feet of snow, nobody is out hunting for you. Nobody is out looking for you. They're confident that when you're cold enough, you'll come right back. And so we were free to take our flexible flyer and go up and down Library Hill at Colgate until the streetlights came on or we were frozen solid and whichever came first, we could take our skates and go to the swan pond and clear off a hockey rink and play and skate, shoot, till the same, the, the stars came out. We could make forts and caverns and tunnels and enjoy the liberty, the physical liberty that comes to an 11-year-old with the great cascade, the great Nevada. Snow makes things slow. Snow makes things slow. So enjoy your February because late spring will come as well, wherein you may need a prophetic word. Late spring with its tests and exams and papers and judgments and graduation, commencement and ch ch change the world over. That late May, my mother invited me for a conversation. This was not a very frequent occurrence on the back step of our humble parsonage with a garden going in, a ball glove at the left hand, and the warmth of early summer, she began to speak in prophetic low tones. Now, Bob, I want to talk to you. She said, your sisters don't know this yet, but I'd like to tell you about something. This is not going to seem good to you, but I tell you for sure, it is good. You know, most people in the world are good, she said, as long as you get to trust them and they you. Most people are good people. I really didn't know where this conversation was going. I did the best I could, but there was at Colaval's lot a baseball game going, and I had my ball glove there, so I did my best. She said, I need to talk to you. Here's uh, something that you need to know. In, in just about four weeks, and I haven't told the others yet, we're going to be moving. Now, this is the only house you've ever known, and it's been a good house and a good town and a good street. You don't remember before that, but we're going to be leaving in about four weeks. Now, this did catch my ear, and as this, the speech continued, I could feel, I don't know, maybe it was the weather, a, a moistness, a redness, a sort of watery film in my eyes. Where does that come from? She continued, we're going to move not too far, but to a bigger place. And let me tell you something. This doesn't sound like good news, but it is. It's going to be great. We're going to do it together. 
You'll be able to see your old friends, and by Halloween, you'll have a new house, a new room, a new set of colleagues and compatriots, and a new place to explore. And by the way, I'm going to need your help in working on this with your siblings. We can do this together. Your dad will be there, and I'll be there. And the film continued, and I began to hear words that I didn't particularly appreciate and also didn't understand, like itinerancy and conference and bishop and superintendent and called to be sent and all manner of verbiage that has become more important since, shall we say. But she concluded, this, I promise you, will be a very good thing. And do you know? So it was. The voice of the prophet is known in retrospect because it comes out so. There are some for whom uh, the divine voice is perhaps uh, uh, hard to see or hear in a, in a soprano or an alto timber, but I must tell you, I have never understood that. Hers was the divine, hers was the prophetic, hers was the true voice. Friends, we are in good hands. Yes, in Deuteronomy and Corinthians and Mark, but also in Black History Month and President's Day and Groundhog Day, we are in good hands, and so it behooves us to love one another. That is, we are in God's hands, and so it behooves us to share one another's sorrows and bear one another's burdens. We are in good hands, and so it behooves us to love one another even as we have been loved. For we believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in the true person, Jesus, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. God calls us to be the church, the body of Christ, to celebrate Christ's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus, crucified and risen, our judge and our, our help. In life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God.
Please be seated. Welcome once again here to the Nave of Marsh Chapel. We hope you'll take a moment to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew, passing that book along to your neighbors so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. We encourage you to note uh, in your bulletin the remarks regarding the service of communion, uh, how to receive, and the opportunity for healing prayer stations. We also hope that uh, you will join us following the service for our monthly uh, lunch downstairs. Please join us whether you've brought a dish to pass or not. As Dean Hill noted in his sermon, tomorrow is the holiest of holidays, that being Groundhog Day, and he will be hosting his annual gathering at the Boston Commons Frog Pound uh, at 1 p.m. He tells me that he will be there, snow or shine. On Friday evening, our Global Ministries will be hosting a uh, spiritual painting class, more information on, in the bulletin on that. And also next week is the third installment of the Bach experience here at Marsh Chapel. We hope you'll join us at 945 in the nave uh, for the Bach experience and a discussion of the cantata of the day and then its presentation in the context of the liturgy at 11 o'clock. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we invite you to meditate on a movement from Rachmaninoff's All Night Vespers. We encourage you to keep an eye to the chapel website for all of our upcoming services and activities, along with the opportunity for online giving. We are grateful for your generosity. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to set before you, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to set before you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become for us the cup of salvation. Blessed be God forever. Christ our Lord invites us to his table, all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. Let us share God's peace with one another. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. 
By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever.
pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord, support us all the day of this troublous life until the shadows lengthen and the evening comes and the busy world is hushed and the fever of life is over and our work is done. Then in thy mercy grant us a safe rest, happy lodging, and peace at the last through Jesus Christ our Lord. <laughs> 